Friday, and welcome back to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and today marks one week into AEP 2022. I hope that the season is going well for you so far. Hopefully, you're starting off strong. We've got quite a lineup this week, as well as a call from a listener. We will get to that question at the end of our episode. For now, on to this week's list. Number one. First up, the Social Security Administration announced the official COLA for 2022. The cost of living adjustment came in at an increase of 5.9%, making it the largest increase in 60 years. The increase means that almost 8 million Americans on Social Security will get a larger check on December 30th, and 64 million Americans will get their increase in January. The COLA will add about $92 per month to the average retirement benefit, raising the current amount for all retired workers from $1,565 to $1,657. Again, that is the number for all retired workers, but not everyone falls under that category. There are different payment amounts for additional benefit groups, like retired couples who are both receiving benefits, widows, widowers, and disabled workers. We will have a link to the press release on the Social Security Admin's website. That site was not available at all times earlier this week, so we will also be linking to a CNBC write-up on this news with an easy-to-understand visual. While the increase is certainly good news and arguably a long time coming, there is also a good chance that increased costs will eat into the COLA increase. So far, estimates are showing a $10 per month increase in the Medicare Part B premium for 2022. And then there's the fact that inflation is running rampant and the cost of living overall has increased in the past few months as well. It certainly looks like inflation is not stopping until some of the supply chain issues are rectified. And of course, that's all before other premium increases and possible tax increases. Still, this is a great article to share with your clients on social media. It's something to think about when budgeting out plans for next year. It's a decent increase, but it is something you want to take with a grain of salt and make sure that your clients are equally aware that other costs can factor into the final amount of their social security check. Number two, while we're on the subject of COLA, There is a new piece of legislation being introduced to switch the way the Social Security COLA is determined. Social Security 2100, a sacred trust, is the name of the bill. It also aims to apply the payroll tax to wages above $400,000 and would combine the old age and survivors and disability insurance trust funds. But let's talk about how the COLA is determined, because this is an interesting part of the legislation. Currently, we use the CPIW formula. That's short for the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners and Clerical Workers. The proposal would switch COLA determination from using the CPIW to the CPIE. That stands for the Consumer Price Index for the Elderly. Their word, not ours. 
The difference between these two indexes is that one, the CPIE, takes into account the fact that the population of adults aged 62 and older spend their money differently than the rest of the population. Two of the biggest factors that differ, more spending on housing and more spending on medical care. While the CPIW considers medical care to be 5.6% of its index, the CPIE factors it as 11.3% of its index. The question is, do we need a price index specifically for seniors? At surface level, it makes sense given that their spending habits differ so much in the area of medical care, especially if that is a driving part of what makes a cost-of-living increase necessary. And that's part of the argument for adopting a new way of determining the cost-of-living adjustment for Social Security moving forward. Additional arguments include that the system has not been retooled in over 50 years. The bill aims to end the waiting period for disability benefits, improve benefits for widows and widowers, extend benefits for students, and more. We will have a link to the bill fact sheet and a piece from ThinkAdvisor in our notes. As I said, though, so far, this is a bill that is just being introduced in Congress. There is a lot on their plates right now, so we will see how soon they take up the mantle on this one but I will be following along with it. Number three, so far, no update on Medicare expansion. Democrats are currently trying to figure out how to trim down the price tag on the infrastructure bill. But there was an interesting proposal from the Food and Drug Administration where hearing aids are concerned. On Tuesday this week, the FDA proposed the creation of a new category of over-the-counter hearing aids. The devices would be sold to adults who have, quote, perceived mild to moderate hearing loss, end quote. All children with hearing loss and adults with severe hearing loss would still need a prescription for their devices, but the move is designed to increase competition in the market and drive down costs. Included in the rules are performance, requirements on design, and a maximum volume limit. Now, about 37.5 million American adults claim to have a hearing issue. Only about one-fifth of them use a hearing aid for assistance. As someone with hearing loss myself, this is something I can personally attest to, and I'm honestly interested to see what types of devices come out for OTC use. This is another story that I'll be keeping you updated on as we continue to learn more, right along with any updates on Medicare expansion and other relevant legislation. Number four. Last week, the Kaiser Family Foundation published their study finding that 7 in 10 Medicare beneficiaries did not compare plans during the 2018 open enrollment period. That's 71% of Medicare beneficiaries, an awful lot of folks who did not compare different plans to each other. Interestingly enough, the data was broken out for Medicare Advantage enrollees and traditional Medicare enrollees. More people in Medicare Advantage plans compared coverage, but that was still only 32% of enrollees in MA plans. 68% did not review their coverage at all. 
On the traditional Medicare side, 27% compared plans, while 73% did not. Certainly, something to think about as you're in the early stages of plan review is that while this is not something that the majority of Medicare beneficiaries necessarily do, it can be worth their while and yours to do a little extra research. At any rate, you want to make sure that you're reviewing coverage and making sure that it still meets the needs of your clients on a yearly basis. That is something we advocate for, and we will be linking to that study from the Kaiser Family Foundation in our notes if you'd like to learn more. Number five, Headspace and Ginger have finalized their merger and formed Headspace Health. The newly formed company is worth $3 billion. Headspace Health combines the teletherapy services of Ginger with the meditation and mindfulness app Headspace to form a more well-rounded behavioral health company. They also introduced a new bundled service option for employers that combines Ginger and Headspace for work. We will have the link to the write-up on that merger finalization in Fierce Healthcare, as well as the official website for Headspace Health. Now, for this week's bonus, I mentioned in the open that we got a question from a listener. That came in through our ASG podcast hotline, and we're going to play a quick snippet from that call. I was trying to, uh, I have something written down in my book about AHIP. Is that something that you can study for? Uh, Do they have a hard copy or you have to go online and take the test? And what do you have to make on the test? First and foremost, let me just say thank you for calling and asking about AHIP. It is a popular topic around here. It's one of the ways that you can certify to sell Medicare Advantage and Medicare Part D products, and we now have four episodes covering AHIP. To answer your questions here, though, yes, you can study for it. We highly recommend studying for it, even if you've taken the test previously. I don't know of a hard copy that's floating around anywhere, but there are practice tests out there. I would actually be cautious when printing some of the guides and practice tests, though. Make sure you know how long the documents are, because some of the guides and documents I've seen are well over 60 pages. Just something to be prepared for. You want to make sure you've got the ink and the paper for that. And then finally, to pass the AHIP exam, you must score 90% or higher and you get three tries to accomplish that. For more information on AHIP certification, check out the links in our notes. We have all of the episodes we've published on AHIP in the past listed there. And if you've got a question for the Agent Survival Guide team, we would love to hear it. We would love to answer it for you. You can ask us by calling into our hotline and leaving a voicemail. The number to do that is 717- 562-7211. You can also send us an email at ASGpodcast at ridderim.com. That is ASGpodcast at ridderim.com. And again, we will have all of those links in our notes, so check those out. That's all I've got for you this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. 
The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Jack Clark. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 